You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, so we want to just uh, give a welcome to those joining us online today. For one reason or the other, you join us online. And uh, we just uh, want to give you a special welcome. And if, you're, uh, if you could just let us know that you're joining us today, we'd really appreciate that. And uh, again, just a reminder, if you have prayer requests, we'd love to be able to pray for them as well. Well, we are uh, in Romans chapter 12, and uh, if you're in a small group, you thought that we were going to do Romans 12, 13 today only, uh, but we are going to do Romans 12, 13 through 16. Uh, as uh, I was going through things this week, I thought it would be best to put these things together. Um, as we think about this section of Scripture, it, it reminds us that genuine love is more than just saying, I love you. Now, particularly to the men, just, just a heads up, it is still good to say I love you, okay? Like, like words still do matter. But if there are only words and there are no actions involved, then that's a problem. And we see that in the text here this morning. A love is not simply sentiment. A talk is cheap. Actions aren't. And... Uh, as we think about what we're going to see here this morning, we see that love requires sacrifice. Uh, of course, the Lord God could have simply said from heaven that he loved us, but without his actions, we would still be lost without him. We're reminded of this in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. It says this, by this we know love, that he laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And we see this pattern throughout the scriptures, that there needs to be more than just simply words, simply sentiment. There needs to be deed and action, and deed in truth, if we are going to have genuine love. And just a reminder that this whole section of Scripture falls under the categories of what it does it mean to, to be living sacrifices for Him. As we uh, turn the chapter into Romans chapter 12, he said, in light of the mercies of God, in light of the gospel, of what, all that God has done for us, we ought to live lives of worship. And we do so by, verse 2, by living lives that are not conformed to this world, but by living lives where our minds are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, that is, through the Word of God. And we need that. Everything that we're going to be looking at again today just does not come natural, okay? And some of, you, some of those you are going to be like, amen to that. And some of you are just like, well, I, not too bad for me, right? So on varying degrees, you, we all struggle with these things that are commanded. But I want to just encourage you in this. As we've already read in 1 John 3, we can now love because he first loved us. And all of these things come under the category of what does it mean to love with genuine love? Because Christ has come, you and I can now do the things he's asking us to do. And not only can we do them, but we can look to him as the perfect example of living these things out. 
And we're going to see that over and over again. And so we need to evaluate our love this morning, all right? This time of year, we, we're, February 13th is the day before February 14th, right? So that we're evaluating. Can I just encourage you to evaluate your love? It's going to be a whole lot of talk about love, but is my love genuine is the question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Is my love what the Word of God says or is my love more like what the world says? Is my love genuine or is it counterfeit? Is your love by word only or does it cause you to move, to, to, to do something? We will see that genuine love moves. And that's what I've entitled this morning's sermon, Love Moves. And if we are going to be honest about our assessment, we need the Spirit of God this morning to lead us and to guide us. And so let us pray together to that end. Let me pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for a new day. Lord, a day in which we can come together and worship you. Lord, we do so on this Sunday because this is the day, Lord, that you rose again. And so as we gather, we proclaim together your resurrection. Lord, we know that you, um, Lord Jesus, you sit at the right hand of the Father even now. Lord, you hear our prayer. Because of Christ's blood, we are able to enter into the, into the throne room before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this morning, Lord, we know that, as Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us, that, Lord, our hearts are deceitful. That, Lord, we, we'd like to look at ourselves with rose-colored glasses. But, God, I pray this morning, but by the power of your Spirit, that, Lord, you would help us to see ourselves accurately. Lord, that we might be changed. Lord, that we might live as you want us to live. Lord, live at, in the freedom, Lord, that you've purchased for us. God, I pray that our love would be seen as genuine and not some counter-counterfeit. And so, Lord, where we need to repent, Lord, help us to repent this morning. Lord, where we are doing well, spur us on. For your glory and for your honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be looking at, as I said, Romans chapter 12, verses 13 to 16. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. And uh, the ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. Uh, the Word is our authority. I've just been reminded of that over and over again this week. We have nothing but the Word of God. That is our authority. You look at Revelation, those who were martyred were for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. The Word of God is our authority this morning. We will not compromise on that. If, if the world pressures us to do so, we must stand on this Word. We have no other. And so let us uh, read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and to set up the context, and then uh, I will read 9 through 16 as well. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. This morning we're going to see that genuine love is displayed in five different ways. The first thing we see is that genuine love is displayed through shared generosity. It is displayed through shared generosity. Paul simply says, contribute to the needs of the saints. As we think about what it means to be a living sacrifice, to do that which is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, we need to be a people who share the possessions that we have, share the, the things that God has given us. This Greek word for contribute, it is koinoneo, which means to share one's possessions with the implication of some kind of joint participation and mutual interest is to share. You and I are part of the body of Christ. We're part of the family of God and the Lord has given us resources. And it is our job as the body of Christ to share those resources with anyone who is in need. Anyone who, who um, and anyone within the body of Christ who has a need, as it says there in this text. Now, uh, Don read earlier Matthew chapter 25. And, and as we read that, we've we seen a couple of different things that um, should be obvious to us. First is that generosity is an evidence of being God's people. If you're not generous, you, you need to do a heart check what's going on in my life that I'm not a generous person. He says in verse 34 of chapter 25, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's just a really awesome thought right there, right? Come, you who, like before the world was even here, I prepared something for you. Come and inherit this stuff. And a sign that you are God's children is that you would be those who are generous. He says in verse 20, 35, for I was hungry and what? You gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. That whatever the need was in the body of Christ, they met that need. The people of God. And then what's really cool about this is that when you do that, what, what's the implication? What does Jesus say? When you do that, you are serving him. You're serving him. When you serve the brothers and sisters in Christ through your generosity, is this as if you were serving himself, sorry, sorry, serving Jesus himself. And so we need to have this mentality where we need to share in helping out the needs that are found within the body. There should be nobody in the body of Christ who is without. When you hear of the need, then you should be quick to respond with what you have to help. 
God doesn't ask you to share something you don't have, all right? But he does ask you to share what you do have. And can we just be really blunt here this morning? You and I are some of the richest people on this earth. I know that's sometimes you're like, well, I'm just trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck. I get it. But you still have far more than many, many people in this world. And yet it's been my experience that we as Canadians tend to hold on to our loonies a lot tighter than other societies do, okay? So we, we want to be thinking about this. We want to say, okay, Lord, if I'm to love genuinely, I need to be generous. And, and it says here specifically in regards to the saints. Now, that doesn't mean that I should be stingy in regards to those who are, aren't in Christ, but the focus throughout the scripture is make sure nobody in the family is without you see this over and over again. Let's just look at some different examples from church history. There was a concern for those who were like right here. So if in our context, Redemption Church, Calgary North, is there anyone in need? We need to make sure that, that they're taken care of. And then secondly, if we heard of a need somewhere else, as we see in the early church, they were quick to help with those needs as well. It wasn't just our own little posse, okay? It was everyone who is a saint. So just some scriptures to help us with this. Again, many scriptures we're going to be listing here this morning. I would encourage you to write them down and then just do some study for yourself later. But Acts chapter 2, 44 and 45, there we see that, that the believers had all things in common and that they sacrificially were selling what they had so that they could give to the needs within the body of Christ. That was just the pattern of life. Acts chapter 4, 32 to 35, we read this. Acts 4, 32 to 35. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. How cool is that? Like, everything that I have is ours, was the message. It wasn't like, well... You can have this thing that's pretty shabby, but like this new thing, that's mine, right? It, it was everything I have is yours for the common good. And it says, for they had everything in common. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And then it says this in verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to any, sorry, is distributed to each as any had need. And we talk about sacrifice. I mean, they're, they're, they're selling land, they're selling homes, they're, they're doing whatever they need to do so that there is no one who was in need. And this was the mentality of the early church. And it ought to be the mentality of you and I. Nobody saw their possessions as their, as their own, but believed everything that they had was for the common good, was an opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ by helping brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that how you view what you have? 
I mean, this is a good check of our hearts right now. Spirit of God, help us to see ourselves accurately. Am I, am I someone who is like, you can have some, but you can't have it all. Here, it's like, everything I have, it's ours. Everything I have, Lord, you have given to me. I understand that. And so, Lord, if you want me to use this to help someone in need, I'm ready to do that. As you sit here this morning, are you thankful that God has put you in a position to help others? Or do you think, I'm almost to the position where I can help others? I just need a little bit more, just a little bit more. And then when I start getting into the gravy days, I'm going to be so generous. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's interesting to me that our lifestyles continually change with our raises, right? You know, you, you, you make a little bit more money, you figure out how to spend that money, don't you? Right? And, and you know, and, and, but not often are we thinking about, man, I have even more to give. But that ought to be our mentality, and not just for those needs within this body, but within the body of Christ as a whole. In fact, we're going to see later in the letter of Romans, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Why is he going to Jerusalem? Because the churches around the world at that time had been giving offerings for the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. And so they had a concern, not just for their own local thing, but for the church as a whole, whether they had much or whether they didn't have much at all. Second Corinthians chapter eight, I love this. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses two to four. Listen to the church of Macedonia and how they thought about giving. In verse two, it says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. How much did these guys have? It's referred to as extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. That does not look like the experience I've often seen from believers, right? Please let us give. Please, like... You mentioned giving oftentimes in the church, and it's like, there's like, you know, oh man, the one Sunday to show up and they're talking about giving, you know, whatever. Okay, like, it's not, we have this idea, like, I don't want to give. I, 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 that's mine. But as we look at the scripture, that's, that's not the case. And, 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 and these believers in Macedonia, what, what, a, what a testimony. They didn't have much, but what they had, they were begging so that they could give. And, 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 and if you are a person who is walking in victory in this area of life, you know the joy that comes with it. You, you know the blessing that comes with it. And, and this church in Macedonia understood that. That there is favor in helping others. How do you respond when you hear someone talking about giving? Do you get tense? Do you maybe even get angry and think about that you don't want to hear anything about it? Why? 
You need to ask yourself, why? Why am I reacting like that? As we think about worldly thinking versus wordly thinking, we want to make sure that we can show genuine love by being quick to be generous. If you find yourself being resistant to give, then you need to examine your heart as to why that is. A good start is to just have a proper thinking about what you have. Everything you have was not from your hard work. Everything you have is a gift from God. There's nothing you have that he has not given you. And so it is not your possession, it is his possessions that he's entrusted to you. And if we get that right, then I believe we'll start being more giving as we ought to be. That we would be, as it says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. He says, as for the rich in this present age, and again, I, th- I would say that is us, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Who has provided everything we have? It's him. It's God. To enjoy. It is God. Then it says in verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. You see, when I hold on to my possessions, when I lack generosity, I am missing out. I'm missing out on what is to come and I'm putting my hope in things that I ought not to be putting it in. So may we, by God's grace, be generous people. When we are generous, it not only helps with those needs being met, but it also results in thanksgiving to God. We see this in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 15. Thanksgiving to him and glory to him. And that's 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 15. Again, just encourage you to write those things down. So, by God's grace, may we grow in this area. May we be intentional in this area. God, help me. How is it that I'm, I'm you know, not, not giving as I ought to? May we have the heart of what it says in Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Just a reminder, to give is to sacrifice. There is a sacrifice involved, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so let us be quick to be generous. So secondly, genuine love is not uh, just displayed through shared generosity, but it's also uh, displayed through devoted hospitality. Devoted hospitality. And it says, and seek to show hospitality. Uh, to show genuine love in this way is very similar to what we've just talked about in that it involves material things being given to bless someone else. But the focus is on your home and how you're using your home to be a blessing to those around you. In Old Testament, or sorry, in New Testament times, there were often people traveling from place to place. And 
you know, there wasn't a Motel 6 on every corner. And even if there was a Motel 6 available to you, you probably couldn't afford it. And a lot of those Motel 6s were in the hood, okay? So they were not only, not only some, a lot of times not accessible because of money, but they were not really great places to be because you could get robbed, okay? So what would happen in those days then is when you would travel about is that you would need a place to stay. And so the church was encouraged, be hospitable. When somebody comes into town, says seek to show hospitality. As we look at the word and what it says about hospitality, we see that it was to be an attribute of those who are elders in the church. Uh, both in 1 Timothy 3.2 and in Titus 1.8, it says, be hospitable. But as we look through the scripture, it's not just to be for eldership, but for those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is striking about this verse, it says, seek to show hospitality. This word, it is to do something with intense effort and definite purpose of goal, to do with effort, to strive toward. So in other words, this idea of giving hospitality isn't something that was passively done. You, you know what I'm talking about? The announcement comes out, hey, we got some missionaries coming through town. We need someone to host them. And you're like, you get the message on Monday and you're like, well, let's wait till Friday. Hopefully somebody else does it. And then if they don't, well, then maybe we'll do it. Okay, that's not the picture here, right? The picture is like, I'm on it. I, I hope I'm the first one to call in. You're like, that's the idea here. Seeking, striving, intentional effort to, to see hospitality happening. With the hopes of caring for the needs around you. Is again, using your home as a place for ministry. The writer of Hebrews reminded believers what can, be, what can be an unexpected blessing when doing hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Isn't that crazy? Hey, when you got strangers coming through town and you don't really know them, and you say, hey, our home is open, guess what? When you do that, sometimes you could be hosting angels. How cool is that? And what I love about Hebrews 13 too is not like, well, let me explain. This is like, no, just statement of fact, moving on, right? But like, okay, well, let me think about that. Well, Genesis, yeah, right, with, uh, was it 18, right? When, when Abraham was seeing the three coming and he was like, hey, and what I love is if you wanted to think about hospitality and what it should look like, he's, he's a perfect example. He's like, hey, hey, stop here. Would you, would you allow us to like take care of you? Okay, sit under this tree. He's running back. He's getting an animal killed. They're preparing it like that. Like it's on it, like, right? Like he's like, please let us like stay here and we'll care for you. And that's what he did. Even the next chapter, Lot, right? Now there's two of those angels. He hosts those angels, a little different environment in Sodom, but he was hosting angels there. Gideon hosted angels. And so there's different examples we see of, of people, Manoah, 
hosted angels. And their focus isn't like, do it so that you can host angels. It's just like, you just don't know the unexpected blessing that you would receive in doing it. Now, if you are of the, the mentality of being hospitable, you already kind of know that it is a blessing to be hospitable. How many times have you put yourself out there and had people come into your home and it was, a, you feel like, I don't know if they were blessed or not, but we were definitely blessed by that time together. But as with all of these things, you can get tired doing it. And so it says in 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling, right? Ugh. All right, I guess we're supposed to do this. <laughs> all right, like that kind of mentality. Now, not like that, okay? But you do it as of unto the Lord, because of the privilege that we have as the people of God. So what does this look like in 2022? All right, like, all right, well, we'll be hospitable when someone's coming through town and needs some help. How often is that going to happen? Right? Probably not too often, right? Like, we'll have some missionaries come and go from time to time and, and, I already know you guys are not the kind where I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm on the 10th place. I hopefully someone will say yes. Like you guys are so generous that way. But when you think about meeting the needs of the people, I think there are maybe different needs today, but there are still needs. And one of the things we talked about yesterday morning is that how many people are just lonely in the church today. People wind up going to, to counselors and therapists when really a lot of times they just need a friend. They, they just need someone to, to talk to about what's going on in their lives. And so I want to just encourage you as the people of God to think about hospitality, thinking about using your home for ministry to, to have one another into your homes. This was something generations previous did just a lot more natural. I get it. It's a little strange maybe for you, but this is what the Word of God calls us to do, to have one another over into our homes. And not just, you know, Bill and Pam, who you've known for the last 30 years. That's great. Continue on with Bill and Pam. But have new people into your homes. Be a blessing to them. When you come on a Sunday morning, be looking around. Okay, crockpot's on. We can feed about three or four extra, okay? So you start targeting people, okay? I don't think we've met them. It looks like three or four. There could be some off in the children's wing, but they don't often eat much anyways, okay? So, and you go and you talk to them, hey, would you like to come over today? Well, what a blessing that would be. Uh, looking uh, for someone uh, not only that you don't know someone's new, but maybe just looking around and seeing like maybe someone looks just burdened today. They're just carrying a lot. You can just see it in their shoulders. They're just carrying a lot. And, and so you're just like, I'm, I'm, we're going to have them over and encourage them and strengthen them, hopefully, by, the, by our conversation together. And when you think about using our homes for the, for the Lord, uh, you can, we definitely need to be hospitable to one another in the, in the body of Christ, but you could also use your home to reach out to your neighbors, to the unbelievers in your neighborhood. Use your home for God and for His glory. 
If you have the unbelievers over, don't switch up your routine, okay? Continue on as you, nor- well, hopefully, as you normally do, which would be like, hey, um, I don't know if you guys do this, but we always pray before, your meal, so, before our meal, so we're just going to pray together. And let them see what prayer looks like, right? And, 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 and you know, if you normally do a family devo, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a family devo after, like, no pressure. If you guys have to leave, we understand, but we'd love for you to just join us. Like, invite them in to your lives so that you might have an opportunity to love on them with the love of Christ and to witness to them. And so, seek hospitality. This is not a passive thing. It is like we're on it. Husbands, wives, on your Valentine's date, take like five minutes to say, who, who's the next person we're having over? Or is it like you're looking at, okay, there's that guy in the Bengals jersey. He may need help next week. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the game today. But you're like, okay, that's, the, that's who we're having. I don't know his name yet. I just know he's Bengals jersey, okay? And they, so that's who we're having over next. Okay, so just be like, but being intentional, okay, in this regard. How, how sweet would it be that there's no one who's lonely in this body? That there's no one in need in this body because we're caring for one another. We're being intentional. That we're sharing the responsibility together to care for one another. This is what God is calling us to do. And it takes effort. And it takes sacrifice. But God has given you his Holy Spirit in order to walk in obedience in these things. And so lean on him. As we learned last week, be constant in prayer that you might walk in obedience to these things. Genuine love is also displayed through unexpected charity. Unexpected charity. What do I mean by that? Listen to this verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, we're going we're gonna to go through this fairly quick this week because next week, as we look at verses 17 to 21, Paul is going to unwrap this even more. What does this look like to, to be a blessing to those who would treat you wrongly, to those who would treat you harshly? But let's take note of what it says here. Bless those who persecute you. Does that come natural to anyone here? Like, oh, yeah, that's easy. That, that one for me, like these other, like hospitality, I really struggle with. But when someone slanders my name, I like automatically bless. Anyone? Like, no, that's not, like this is, this is hard. This is like the bar is here kind of thing. As we look at this, 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 is, this is where we really need to be leaning in with the Lord and understanding, look, Lord, this is not my natural reaction, but I want Christ to shine through me. I, I want you to have first place in my life. I don't want my ways. I want your ways. And I just want you to see as we go through these verses this week and next week, there, there is no clause given for your special exemption. And I, I've just seen this over and over again in the church over, over the last 30 years where, where people are just like, yeah, 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 but you don't know my situation, right? If you knew my hurts, 
then you would see that it is okay for me to hate that person. It is okay for me to curse that person. It is not. And Christ is the ultimate example. He not only taught about it, he lived it. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 41, he said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I mean, this is so radical. This is so different than anything else in the world. Nobody, no, no other religion teaches this kind of stuff. This is like, this is so contrary to what the world would say. And yet this is what Jesus teaches us. And this is what Jesus did. Let me just remind you of what it says in Luke chapter 23. Verses 32 to 37. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 37. It's talking about the day that Jesus is crucified. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, Jesus. And the criminals, one on the right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of, Jew, king of the Jews, save yourself. In the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the slander, in the midst of the hate, he prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Jesus didn't just say we should bless and then do something different. He did exactly what he calls you and I to do. To bless instead of curse. And as we think about the scriptures, we think about what it means to bless and what it means to curse, we know that comes from God. And so it literally means when someone is coming against you, it, it is praying that God would bless them. You cannot do that on your own strength. You will not do that on your own strength. But if the Spirit of God is living within you, then we can and we must respond to hate in this way. And, and just praying, God, and here's what Jesus prayed is, is a great template for you and I's prayers when it comes to blessing. God, forgive them. God, would you be merciful to them? Open their eyes to see that you have died for them. Open their eyes to see that they can be reconciled to you. If they would repent today, God, save them, we pray. That is the prayer that you ought to pray for your enemies. Not curses, not, not, not like God smite them, strike them down with fire. Remember James and John? 
right? They, they're like, come on, let's do this. And, and that is our automatic reaction. James and John are no different than you and I. But Jesus said, no, that's not the way. And it's not the way for you and I either. So we're going we're gonna to be looking at this more next week. But may the, may the Lord help us in this regard. If you have hate towards someone, I'm praying even right now that you would lay that hate aside and that you would pray for them that they might be reconciled to the Lord. May the Lord help us to display love through unexpected charity. Fourthly, genuine love is displayed through invested empathy. Invested empathy. It says here, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I say invested empathy because if you don't know someone, it's a lot harder to get excited about what's going on in their life. Right? It's, it's a lot harder to be invested in, in their hardships if you don't really know them. Now, I will say this. As you grow in Christ, this becomes more and more natural despite not knowing people as well. If you know they're in Christ, you, there's just something that God does in your heart to move you to empathy. But to start with, we need to be invested in our relationships with one another. As God's children, as those who are part of the body of Christ, as those who are members of the body, we ought to rejoice when people rejoice and we ought to weep when people weep. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And just as if you have a, a part of the body that's hurting, your physical body, it affects the rest of your body, right? And the rest of the body tries to compensate for the one that is hurting, and so it ought to be in the body of Christ. We ought to be coming along, alongside one another and helping one another. Now, Christosom, he had an interesting thought here. He said, you know, I wonder if rejoice with those rejoice is put first because it's harder to do. Do you, do you know what he's talking about here? Sometimes it's really easy to become envious and jealous of those who are doing well rather than rejoicing with them, right? Oh, look at them. You know, well, great for them. They're, things are going well for them, but, but, you know, what about me? And become jealous and envious, and yet that ought not to be the way. And when you're invested in someone's life, you have all the more reason to rejoice. You've been praying with them. You've been walking life together with them. And now as that moment comes where blessing comes, you rejoice with them because you've been with them all along. Along the way and praying with them and helping them along the way. And so you rejoice with them. And then... In the times when things aren't going well, again, we were reminded of that last week when we experience tribulation in this life, when we experience trials in this life, then we weep with those who weep. Sometimes tears can say so much more than words. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is to come to a brother and sister and hug them and just cry with them. You, you know, oftentimes, you know the truth. 
You know what the word of God says. You, you know that, that God is sovereign, that he, that he is working through these things, and yet it just really hurts right there at that time. And God cares. And so the best thing to do is then just weep together in the heartache. And as you grow in your love and knowledge of the Lord, so too does your care for brothers and sisters whom you maybe don't know as well. You'll hear it. There's something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, however you get your information, and you're just like, that's a brother or sister in Christ. Let's just stop and pray for them right now for the hardship they're going through. Or did you hear about this person who got saved? They, 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 they were involved in a cult. They, they, were, they, were, they were so consumed in that and their life was so dark and empty and God saved them. And there ought to be great rejoicing in that. And so we, we should be invested emotionally with one another. Does that describe you this morning? Or you kind of like, you have so many just surfacey relationships, even if you're being honest, your relationship with Christ is pretty surfacey, so you just don't get tied up in emotions with, with anyone. And yet that not ought to be. The, 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 the genuine love is invested emotionally. And may God help us in that regard. And then lastly, genuine love is displayed through calculated harmony. Through calculated harmony. I say calculated because, it, again, this does not come naturally. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, what's interesting about each of these actions in this verse is that they all come from the root for think. Moose says this, and all three admonitions in this verse remind us of Paul's demand for the right kind of thinking. Again, going back to verse 3, if you remember the context. He's calling us to have a common mindset. Such a common mindset does not mean that we must all think in just the same way or that we must think exactly the same thing about every issue, but that we should adopt an attitude toward everything that touches our lives that springs from the renewed mind of the new realm to which we belong by God's grace. And so to, to think of ourselves in a right way, this live in harmony with one another, it could be translated here um, to think the same thing towards one another, to think, think the same thing towards one another. We should have all the same mindset. What do we have in common? Think of it. We are all saved by grace. Every single person here this morning, if you are in Christ today, you've been saved by grace. There is no, this person had a different testimony than you, well, they all did, but it was all grace, right? We're all saved by grace. We are all servants of the high king, Jesus Christ. All of us here this morning. We are one in him. And our goals should be what it's talking about here in Romans 12. To, to be pleasing to him, to do the will of God. We have very much in common here this morning. 
This should be our mindset of what we have together. And so we should strive together. That doesn't mean you and I may not always agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything. But what we should do is we remember what unites us so that we don't become divided. Now, I was tempted to just skip this verse because there's been so much harmony in the church over the last couple of years. Like, we're already doing it. Is that true? It's not true. Unfortunately, it's not true. In fact, what's crazy to me is that people two years ago that were like, yeah, we're brothers. We're in this together. Like, we believe in almost everything the same. And, and now it's like it's being slandered in public. One after another, just like, well, yeah, well, they don't do what we do, so blah, blah, blah. They don't really love Jesus. Really? Do you even know them? Do you even understand their situation in any sort of way? This is not what the believers should be doing. And oftentimes, in front of the whole unbelieving world, how ridiculous is this? And so this is a time, I, I, I just want us to... I, I can't talk to people in other cities, right? Maybe they'll tune in, probably not, okay? But what we can do is this right here. Check your hearts. Are you striving for that which unites us as believers? If you disagree, are you doing so cordially? Are you doing so, as it's going to say here in like three seconds, with a mindset that you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think? Are you walking humbly with one another? Does that describe your love for the body of Christ? Don't be haughty, it says, but associate with the lowly. In order for us to live in harmony with one another, we need to get off our high horses, right? I, I, seen, I seen a video, it just it sickened me a couple of weeks ago of a, of a Christian leader in our, in our country. And, and I was just like, who do you think you are? <laughs> He's like, let me tell you, every the world, how smart I am and how dumb everyone else is. I mean, that was, that was the message. Now, I'm sure if you were to challenge him, he would be like, well, that was not really. The no, it was the message. And if you don't see it, that it was really unloving, then, then I'm concerned for you. Because genuine love would not do that. And so we need to get off our high horses and it says here, associate with the lowly. Wait a minute. Did Jesus do that? I'm just trying to... Who, who did he hang out with? <laughs> was it the kings? Was it the power people? That's not our Jesus. And as his people, we need, to, we need to go to those who, whether it's socially, maybe they don't match up, or whether economically they don't match up. Like those are the people you ought to seek to hang out with, to, to have fellowship with. We need to be associating with those. None of us should be thinking of ourselves more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We are one in him. There's nothing more toxic in the church than snobbery. Those who think that there's an upper and a lower in the church. Stott says this, they forget that Jesus fraternized freely and naturally with social rejects and calls his followers to do the same with equal freedom and naturalness. 
If we are to follow Jesus' example, then we should be quick to make friends with those who are considered outcasts or poor or needy. Sadly, even in the church, there can be cliques and people desiring to climb the social ladder through the relationships in the church, and this should never be. We We must be intentional to avoid such traps. And then he says this, never be wise in your own sight. Like if you are the smartest person you know, that's a problem. Never be wise in your own sight. Moo puts it like this, our overly exalted opinion of ourselves leading us to think that we are always right and others wrong and that our opinions matter than other, more than others often present, prevents the church from exhibiting the unity to which God calls her. And I would say that's like ding, 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 ding where the church is at right now. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Be gracious, be be low before one another. Consider what others are saying rather than thinking that you know the way. You do know the way, be about that, which is the gospel. But all other things, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. When you think about never being wise in your own sight, we, we ought to, anything that we have, wisdom, Anything that we have for knowledge, it should be like, thank you, Lord, you've given me this. Let me share it with the body of Christ so that they might grow in love and knowledge of you as well. But never be so wise that you're not ready to learn. Every single one of us have a long ways to go in growing in our wisdom. Well, how'd you do? Genuine love is displayed through shared generosity, through devoted hospitality, through unexpected charity, invested empathy, and calculated harmony. I entitled this sermon, Love Moves. Think think about the way that love moves us. It moves our hands to help those in need. It moves our souls to pray for blessings instead of curses. It moves our hearts as our emotion feels the highs and the lows of our brothers and sisters. And then it moves our minds to think as we ought to think, humbly, as we seek to maintain the unity that is ours in Christ. Oh Lord, help us to love truly. Help us to love genuinely. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time together this morning, Lord, as we think about these verses, Lord, there, there can be a lot of conviction. There can be a lot of understanding, God, that, that we have fallen short in regards to loving as you have loved us. God, I pray that we would be quick to repent. God, I pray that you would, you would help us to to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, that, Lord, that we would look to you understanding that, Lord, you are right there, ready to strengthen us and help us to love in this way. And so, God, we pray, Lord, would you help us? Lord, when, 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 we, have, when, we, are, when we do wrong, help us to be quick to repent and then, Lord, to, to love in this way. Lord, help us to be quick to, to share with those in need Whatever the need might be, Lord, help us to to be quick to forgive and and to pray blessings upon those who have hurt us. Lord, help us to be quick to, 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 to enter into the highs and lows of life, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And and then Lord, help us to think rightly about where we are in the body of Christ. Help us to think humbly. 
Lord, that you might be honored and glorified. That, Lord, we would be unified, Lord, as you desire your church to be unified. And God, I pray for your church across Canada. God, would you unify her? Lord, would you bring about the repentance that is needed? Lord, that we might be unified and on display for the world to see that we love differently than what the world loves because of what Christ has done. Lord, for your glory and your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.